For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. I'm your host, Mac McDonald. Our guest today is one John Crotty, a guy that he had several places that he could have gone to play basketball. His dad played at North Carolina. Yes, he was considering Chapel Hill, but he ended up at Virginia. He set records at Virginia as one of the most outstanding point guards to play in the college game. And then after his NBA career that, you know, it spanned 477 games, he took that point guard intensity and he turned it into business as a real estate guy and also a member of the Orange Bowl Committee. Ralph, wouldn't you say that John Crotty is simply a grinder? The story is amazing as far as how he started and uh, how he got there and how he stayed in the NBA for so many years. And then life after the NBA, uh, very interesting to see what, he, what he's doing there as well. I think he's reached a billion dollars in real estate sales. He's on the Orange Bowl Committee. He's very prominent in that, in selecting, you know, the Orange Bowl participants. And then not to mention, he's doing Miami Heat TV. And he's become a a motivational speaker on top of that. So he's just a, I I love talking to him. And, you know, for what he proved at UVA, and he was just one of those point guards that I know that, you know, you followed after your career. You know, he was such a good player for Jeff Jones and Terry Holland. He really was. Um, I mean, he fit the UVA culture. Uh, and mm-hmm. then obviously, you know, life after UVA, it's been pretty good to him, right? Yeah. You know, NBA career and and uh, a billion dollar real estate business down in Florida and, and, and still still involved with basketball with the Miami Heat, which is even more special because not too many guys are able to do that. I mean, yeah. I went back and coached a little bit, but it's hard to, to get that new job because you got to start over like it's, uh, you know, coming out of college. And he's done extremely well. Yeah, his 12-year career in the league, 92 to 03, uh, 1,900 points. Uh, not you know sterling numbers, but he played for the Jazz, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Miami Heat, Portland, Seattle, Detroit, Denver, and he played in 477 games. So, but it was 1991 when he got cut by Charlotte. He said during an interview that I, I heard this week, he he said that just hit him in the face. Because he thought, okay, my career's over. You experienced a little of the same thing. It's hard to say I'm done with this. It is. It's hard to say when. You, I mean, you you know, you think you still have you know another year. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I was unfortunate because of my injuries, but John's a, a bench guy, right? He keeps the bench together, keeps the locker room together, right. keeps the team together. He's gonna go out there and, and and play hard every night and be ready to play every night. And you need those type of guys on your team. 
to make sure it, the, the team stays together. He's that type of guy. But he, he probably could have played another year uh, just the way he was playing. But, you know, politics in the league and, you know, draft picks, whatever. So the numbers didn't add up. And, you know, you just got to say when. And, you know, and, and, it's a, and it's an adjustment after that, at least a year or even more of adjustment just to say, uh, I can't play anymore. I can't mm-hmm. go over the trip anymore. I can't go to the block room anymore. <laughs> That's hard to do. That's hard to do. Well, there's one word that describes him, the best adjective, gritty. And the gritty John Crotty joins us after we go to this break. This is the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Hang on. The mission for the Sampson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities. Your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. From the defensive front of the Philadelphia 76ers. Some chance of Crotty. Here's the first junior center. Crotty off the glass. And he answered the crowd. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome into the Winner's Circle Network, and this is Center Court with Ralph Sampson, very special guest today, as we talked about in the open, and a guy that was truly, Ralph, I don't know if you've ever rated, taken like all the point guards of Virginia and rated them, like your top five, your top, where would John Crotty fall as far as point guards at UVA? Well, Mac, you know, I mean, that, it, it, I always say you cannot rate people or say who's the best and what. Uh-huh. I mean, is Michael the best? And you know, got Scotty people saying Michael wasn't the best, LeBron the best. So, <laughs> you know, but you gotta you gotta go in eras to me. You know, uh-huh. so the, to me, the best ever was Bill Russell in the NBA because of this, right. this is what we are thinking of the best ever played. But if you look at UVA guards, you know, you can go from you know early on to even now, who's the best? Being John Crotty, being a left-hander, right? That's one thing. <laughs> right. You know, uh, he might be the only left-handed guard we've ever had, right, at, at UVA, <laughs> which you classify that. But I, I look at the whole body of work that he's done at UVA and afterwards, and he's got a rank in the top five just because of – Well, I hope so. The Ackerman the, <laughs> the of that from – you know, and I played with, you know, Jeff Jones, Ricky, Othell, right. whatever, you know, when All I right. played with great. But I would have loved to play with this guy because he could shoot. He he could drive and he, and he and he loved the pass. He loved the <laughs> pass. He understood passes to a big guy, right? I'm you know, look, I'm the I'm the assist leader in the in the in the school, man. I figured you'd love to play with me. He loved the pass. He loved the pass. So good. I, I love it. 
and you heard Ralph totally dodge the question. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, John Crotty. politically welcome. correct. That was yeah, good. He loved the past. That's why I said the past part at the end. Yeah, welcome. It's great to talk to you. And uh, between stints on the road, and John, of course, one of the outstanding guards to ever play at Virginia, and he was uh, he played 11 NBA seasons after retiring from the NBA. He moved into sports broadcasting, which I love. He was a radio guy with the Heat, became the TV guy with the Heat now and uh, with everything else going on. So, John, welcome to the podcast and, and the show. It's great to talk to you and catch up. How is everything in sunny Miami? Great, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's great. I, I was in Houston the other day and had an opportunity to be sitting in the media room before a game and saw that picture of Ralph on the wall and took a picture and texted it to him, and here we are. So it's just so great to reconnect and uh, spend time with you guys. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm here in, in Miami. I live in Coral Gables here with my family, and um, you know I, I work real estate during the day, selling commercial real estate. I continue to broadcast Miami Heat games and travel with the team. We're back out on the road again after the COVID break, and um, excited about this this uh, Miami Heat team this year. So, so life is good, guys. It's uh, you know it's it's a blessing. It's great to be able to do what you love to do and and see and connect with uh, guys like you th who uh, you know who meant a lot to me. Obviously, from throughout my travels. You mentioned uh, you're excited about the Miami team. I got to get right to the NBA, but you know, I'll come back to your 11 year career. But what what excites you about the team this year, the NBA this year? Sure. Uh, you know, I have my opinion about the NBA, but I want to see somebody sees it every day because, you know, my, my, my might be a little skewed to the bad side. But in your opinion of uh, your team and what, what excites you about the team this year? Well, I mean, look, the team specifically right now, I think, is um, from a chemistry perspective, Ralph, has come together much earlier than I thought. There's a lot of new players on yeah. the team. Um, and, and along with that, some of the guys uh, internally kind of have grown organically um, just through self-development. So we're seeing a guy like Tyler Hero, as an example, really coming to his own this year, which has been fun to watch. We've got Kyle uh, Lowry, who's an addition to the team, who's a real pure point guard, who's pushing pace, allowing the team to, to operate at a higher level with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler able to, I think, really think about scoring more as opposed to being able to handle and distribute, which is what they did a lot last year, playing a little bit more deliberately. The defense has come together. The guys are connected just had a brutal nine day road trip and lost some tough games, but uh, lost the first three, you know, one in overtime, one in the last, you know, minute type situation and then rallied back with two wins. So very road heavy schedule early. Um, but, you know, just enjoying being back out on the road period. We had a spell of a year and a half, obviously, where as a broadcaster, we weren't traveling and I was literally broadcasting games <laughs> in an home. abandoned studio, basically, or at the arena on a 25 inch monitor, which is, you know, half the size of or a third of the size of what most people are watching games on. And it was just so strange. And it's, so it's good to be out and reconnect with everybody. And, you know, the league as a whole to me is in a pretty healthy place. Uh, I think, you know, the huge emphasis on skill versus, you know, physicality, um, you know, has, has been fun to, to see and watch. It's been weird watching the amount of three-point shots, obviously, being taken. Yeah. Um, they're allowing a little more physicality this year, I think, which is good. They're trying to strike that balance between, you know, making continuing freedom of movement, but also allowing the defense a chance to to compete. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying to find that balance. And right now, I think they're uh, they're doing a pretty good job of it. You know, with your skill set back in, you talk about um, 
Carl Lowry and the fast pace and, and guard and the physicality of the game, right? So when we played, we wouldn't have let a, a point guard come down the middle without being hit. <laughs> and I'm sure you experienced some of that as well in your career, right? But would, would, and everybody asks me all the time, would, would I love to play in the air? I think I could have played in this air for sure. And I don't know if they could have played in our area, but, you know, as a point guard, would you have loved to play to, in the day's game and shoot the three, like two steps over half court and let it go? I know it's incredible. And and the thing to me, that's amazing, Ralph is, you know, the, the analytics, right? So there's such a, a push to the guard where, you know, if you can shoot 34% or greater actually beyond the arc, they want you to take that shot versus taking that pull-up jumper that, you know, maybe you shoot 40%, you know, um, at in the mid range game, because you take more threes, uh, they obviously add up and, and, uh, that freedom right there from a guard perspective. Uh, I think the biggest thing to me is I would have loved to have played in this era because I do think it, it would have allowed me to, you know, maybe, maybe uh, be more effective in terms of attacking and driving and handling the ball. But, you know, the thing that was always shocking to me was the hand checking that was allowed back in the day when yeah. you were playing and, and, and I, I played, I mean, I'll never forget my, my rookie year making a move on Derek Harper, who was, you know, a very good NBA player. Defense, yep, yep, yep who never became an all-star, but really right on the cusp of it. I made a move. I went right to left crossover. I had him beat on a step. I leaned in. He put his hand right on, on my hip. <laughs> you I, was like, I was like Fred Flintstone with my feet like in the air. And he slid back in front of me. And I was like, I was like, wow. I'm like, this is the difference right here between, you know, where it was in college or, you know, you could equate to today's NBA where you can't put your hands on guys and what, you know, guys were allowed to do back in the day. And it's a, it's a big difference. I think the freedom of movement would have helped you though, with your game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of the skilled guys versus just, you know, big, strong guys in the post who are muscling people, um, which, you know, was a, a big part of the game. It's amazing how it's changed though, in such a, a quick period of time over the last five, six years. Um, how the game's, you know, stretched out with, with the shooting of Steph Curry and, and the way that three-point line and the speed of the game is, is really taking over. Uh, you guys had going Dragic on your team down there. And actually, your game and his game reminds me very similar, right? Because I, I coached going <laughs> as a player development coach in Phoenix in uh, 2012-13. Oh, but I know you had him there. So when I watched yeah. him, it reminds me a little bit of you. I don't know yeah. if you have that opinion, but he's like, he's left-handed guy. Mm -hmm. I know he's not with the team now. He's he moved on. But uh, your opinion with that similarity, because you, I think you had the same skill sets even no. more. And, and I, I think agree. you handle the ball. I think you handle the ball better than he does, but he, you know, he, he shoots the three very well. Yeah, he's a good scorer. I, I love, first of all, I love Gorn and uh, just love him as a competitor and, and felt like we had that in common. The left-hand thing for sure. We, we, we would joke about that. Um, you know, just a, just a real pros pro and a real competitor yeah. and a, um, you know, to me, a, a great player in the NBA that uh, was under the radar a lot of times deserved to be more respected. But um, I think, you know, his ability to score really helped Miami down here. Um, he was a very reliable point guard, um, but his ability to score and really be a one-man fast break for us at times. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, I loved the way he played and, and uh, felt like he's he's a guy anyone would want to emulate their game after. Really good finisher, too, underrated at about 6'3", right. you know, slighter of body than me, but able to lean in and traffic and finish with that left hand at the rim. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good comparison, one I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm proud to uh, have you, uh, you know, bring up. And that's cool that you got to work with him because I think he's just a, just a really quality guy. He's in, in Toronto right now. Looks like he's falling out of the rotation. Not an easy right. scenario, you know, for a guy who – who's as accomplished as he is. So I'm sure he'll get a crack up there sooner or later. John Crotty, our guest, one of the great guards to ever play at Virginia, 11 NBA seasons, and now doing TV for Miami. We'll get to more of the the history of John. Real quick, John, before we go to break, you know, quarterbacks who are left-handed throw off the whole offense, it seems, for an NFL. (laughs) Is the left-handed point guard in basketball okay? There's not really a big difference, is there? I don't think so. I mean, look, I I think there's – there's a lot more left-handers than ever playing. Um, you know, to me, from a point guard perspective, it's really the, the onus is on the on the on the point guard to get everybody involved. And I think you know players respond to the fact that you're getting um, them the ball in the right spots, right, mm-hmm. versus worrying about left hand, right hand. I think there was an advantage at times where players would, uh, you know, if they didn't know you, they would overplay your right hand. But in today's NBA and, and when Ralph and I played, I mean. Look, there was basic scouting reports. They knew what you were good at, and they tried to take it away whenever they could. So you better have a right hand if you're a left-handed player that you can, you know, take advantage uh, of. Otherwise, you're not going to last very long in this in the league. You know. You know, back then people would really try to hit you when you came through the lane using like forearms and stand you up and and make contact and punish you you know, throughout the course of the game, and you could never really hit Iverson. I used to try to stay between him and the basket, did a pretty good job there, but he was he was a hell of a player, loved his competitive fire. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player, Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Winter Circle Network, Center Court, and we are Center Court with Miami TV analyst, John Crotty, former Cavalier, 477 games, 1,900 points, and he was just solid, you know, maybe not a lot of minutes, but just a, a solid player. And now a very, very good TV guy. John, when you were uh, looking to to play college ball, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think what Notre Dame looked at you and uh, North Carolina. I know they were your your choices. Why Virginia and your affection for Terry Holland? He had to be a big part of your life. Uh, look, the, the, the recruiting um, thing was just an awesome experience for me. I was blessed. I was a McDonald's All-American, so top 25 in, um, in the country. And Ralph knows this. He was, he was you know, the most sought-off player in, in, in the country. I was blessed to be a top 25. It allowed me to be recruited by, you know, everybody and mm-hmm. um, really establish, you know, what I wanted to do. I, I think a huge influence on me was my father. My father played at the University of North Carolina um, for Frank McGuire from, like, 57 yeah. to 61. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dean Smith was the assistant coach there. Um, he won a championship. He was a freshman, actually, when they won a championship with Lenny Rosenbluth and beat Will Chamberlain. But I grew up being a Carolina fan and actually going to the Carolina basketball school and uh, from a basketball camp perspective. So just kind of fell in love with following the ACC. Um, and I was recruited. My top five schools that I took visits to were Carolina, were Virginia, Notre Dame, Villanova, and Stanford. Um, there was a big emphasis in my family on, um, you know, having a, a great academic, um, you know, institution, mm-hmm. something that I could, I could leave school with and, and have a great degree. Um, you know, I wanted to play in a great conference as well and, and um, in a real competitive situation. And I wanted to have, you know, sort of a, 
a, a fun time while I was there, which is uh, <laughs> something that absolutely did everywhere I went. <laughs> so, you know, that combination really is what lured me over to, to Virginia. They were, they recruited me from the, from the start with coach Dave Odom and Jeff Jones and, and obviously coach Holland. And, um, you know, to me, I, I felt like I, I saw myself, I had a path to be able to play, um, you know, and be be the guy in terms of um, point guard on the team for my second year on, um, backing up John Johnson my first year, and then I you know love the academic nature of the school and mm. had a great time uh, on my visits from a social perspective too. So uh, it w- it was just a great mix for me. Um, but you know, I, I had some great options that I that I um, you know could have done as well. But it was just Coach Holland. Um, I think his sincerity, his his demeanor is, you know, he's such a Southern gentleman as, as, uh, as Ralph can uh, talk to, but just a really sincere, good person who, with, with no errors, who just tells it like it is. And, you know, in the recruiting world, that's kind of rare that, that really uh, made a difference to me. Mike, let's frame this a little bit better. Yeah, right? frame it. The, the father, UNC, <laughs> yeah. Dean Smith, assistant coach, you know, the, the history there. But then the choose, you know, that's that's the rarity that you choose Virginia and ACC yeah. over North Carolina, right? I'll and go. I'll go in a little there. deeper for you, Ralph. I'll go in a little deeper for you. So I, I would tell you, um, you know, Carolina was they they were hesitant with play, uh, recruiting sons of former players. I think there was a, a bad experience oh, okay. with that. Um, and you know, their their recruiting was, I would say, a little more hand, you know, a little more low lower key than. Then Virginia's yep. and certainly Villanova's who are you know, like my practices and my games. They had just won the NCAA championship and that's yep. a school up in my area near my area in New Jersey. And then Notre Dame, you know, basically from my, from my neck of the woods as an Irish Catholic, you know, <laughs> you know, going to Notre Dame is like going to heaven, you know, so <laughs> that was, that was, that was uh, you know, a lot of people couldn't believe I didn't go there either. That might've been even more, you know, unexplainable than going to Carolina from my neck of the woods, but you know, right. they were not in a conference at the time. They were independent. independent um, yeah. I wanted to be part of, um, you know, a, a, the ACC and then Carolina also, you know, they were recruiting other players, other McDonald's all Americans and seemed to put them ahead of me. And that, you know, that just didn't sit well with me at the time. So Virginia wound up being the right place for me. And I'm, I'm you know, I have absolutely no regrets. I couldn't be happier. My guess is your dad though said it's your choice. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. My, my dad, look, my dad, and he'll be the first one to tell you, my dad was a very good high school player. He was the MVP of the New York, New Jersey, you know, high school all-star game. There was a pipeline with Frank McGuire mm. uh, at Carolina, taking all the good players from the Northeast down there. Um, my dad got down to Carolina. They had three All-Americans on the team. His situation wasn't, you know, what he wanted it to be in terms of playing time and whatnot. So I think he said, you know, you've got to do what's right for you. And, and I'll, you know, I want you to be able to play and be successful and happy. And, and you know, don't go there because um, I went there. I want you to do what's right for you. And he, he, he and my mom were nothing but supportive about that. And that made it, that obviously made a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an amazing story in, in a lot of ways, even after basketball experience to me, when you say that, especially having your parents involved, I have my parents involved in the decision, you know, Kentucky, I, I had Carolina, Virginia tech, whatever, but, your upbringing with parents, you mentioned about academics. Yeah. And then obviously UVA, Stanford, you know, Dame's a great, all of them are a great academic institution. Maybe North Carolina is the least part of academics <laughs> on that list for me anyway, it makes sense. My, my, my thought is, and some of these shows that we do, it transitioned well from after 
UVA to 11 year career in the NBA and now into life and business in the commercial real estate and commentating. So, you know, young guys out there, I'm sure you can attest to and talk to them about your career, but that's kind of the ride that most athletes should look at, right? But they don't because they don't go to school for four years. They one and done. You see that all the time. And I'm sure you hear some of the horror stories. Yeah. So the transition, what motivated you to, to, to get the academics, but also to be, a, I mean, 11 years in the NBA. I mean, you got pension, you got 11 years in, you got insurance. I mean, I, we, we know all that stuff, right? right? Some people don't stay 11 years, but you was able to stay in the league for 11 years. What made you do that one? And then your academic piece of stuff you're doing today, how did all that at Virginia help you? It's a great question, and it's one that I think, you know, Virginia, I, po I point to that along with obviously my parents and whatnot, the influence they've had. But with Virginia, I felt like, um, you know, they taught me the life skills. Um, and, and I really had, I would say, honestly, you know, unabashedly, I had the true student athlete experience. I mean, I wasn't sequestered. And, and you know this, Ralph, I think for, at Virginia, you know, you have, you have the ability to become a real student and be involved in different activities and be involved in different clubs. I was in a fraternity, you know, th those types of things, I think really help round you out as a person. They give you, you know, much more of a perspective of, um, of life and, and being able to uh, communicate and meet different types of people and, and, and make me think differently, you know, not just being in, in the whole um, athlete scenario where you're in an athletic dorm, you're only eating with athletes and basketball players and you're only thinking about playing ball because obviously that's that's one small part of our life um and you know unfortunately i can't do it forever either but right, right. Um, i <laughs> right. think it allowed me to help with my with my transfer into my next career because the skills i learned i had confidence that you know um i could i could do anything if i put my mind to it they taught me how to think um and and you know what i realized is a lot of the qualities i had as a player too that you can apply to business which is you know, hardworking, which is being a great communicator, which is being incredibly disciplined and, and tenacious going after things that I want to go after. And those are qualities that, you know, you can apply to business. And, you know, it allowed me to help when I finished up after 11 years, I knew it was going to be a, a challenge, but, you know, you go from making seven figures to making zero overnight. <laughs> and, you know, that's that's a kick in the you know where. Yeah, it's tough to do. Yeah, you start off. I, I always tell the story. You start off. I'm carrying two duffel bags of stuff by myself. I retire. I got a wife, two kids, and I had two tractor trailerfuls of junk. You know, that I left <laughs> in front of my house, and I uh, now I have to you know earn a living because I I didn't make the incredible. Um, money that um, you know some players are making now where you can sit on your backside the rest of your life but and, and to me that's boring so I, I jumped into real estate I, I, I put roots down here in Miami um, learned the business over the first three years you know I, I really made very little money I, I what I did was I embraced a guy who was my mentor and he taught me the business and allowed me to really um, you know learn it and then from that point on I've been doing it now for about uh, 18 years, uh, it's been incredibly successful. And I eventually got into commentating through the radio um, shortly thereafter, but it, but developing that real estate business was important to me because it was something outside of basketball and sports. And it's allowed me to, to live a very nice life as well and enjoy the commentating and, and using that um, passion, you know, for the game to stay in touch. Stay with involved, yeah, stay a, in the game. It's, yeah. a nice, it's a nice, um, you know, lifestyle for me. getting the bowl game together. He's trying to move real estate. The man's got basketball games, and he's going to break down this game 
right here. It's tough to close out to a shooter who's right. 6'8", who's catching up high and letting it go. And look, his teammates are doing a great job of finding him. He's getting into the open areas. This is Center Court, presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back, Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. John Crotty is our guest of the Miami Heat uh, television crew. 11 years in the NBA and, of course, former Virginia point guard. And, John, was, we were talking about the, the Orange Bowl committee and uh, you've really had a, a great run with them. You you see some football games in your association with the Atlantic Coast Conference. Can you tell us, <laughs> will there be a 12 or 16 team, eight team uh, playoff in our future in college football? Well, look, I mean, there's all kinds of conversations going on now. My role with the, with the committee, which has been, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm obviously a volunteer. There's about 300 of us. Um, I'm a member, uh, um, which is a volunteer position, mm -hmm. basically, and, and about 150 of us that are active. Um, but my role is as the ACC liaison, um, so I'm, I'm blessed to be able to go out to different ACC campuses. Obviously, whoever wins the, the ACC plays in our, um, in our game when it's not a semifinal game. We have a semifinal game this year, which mm -hmm. is exciting. So, um, And I get to go and meet with the presidents and the ADs and the coaches and uh, have, a, have a great um, – you know, history of being able to do that and, and, and having played in the ACC have, have great relationships with a lot of those people. So look, there's been a lot of discussions with um, our strategic group, you know, about the desire to expand the playoff field. Mm -hmm. We'll have to wait and see how it happens. It looks like it could be leaning that way, obviously. And, um, you know, but you can't argue with, with, with what's been going on, you know, as of late, because it's just incredibly compelling. I think the thing that's different about, you know, football is that every game is so important, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, one loss can, can be the difference, uh, as opposed to having 30 games in a season. Right. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the big thing. And, um, the bowls have, have been a big part of that. Um, and you know, what's really fun and I really enjoyed having Virginia down, you know, a couple of years ago for the orange bowl, mm -hmm. um, that, which was their first time down is just, you know, that connectivity of seeing everyone come down and enjoy, um, the whole festivities, um, that, you know, what we do is entertain folks down here. Good. They go to great dinners. They, they have things that they do in the Miami area. The whole point of it is obviously economic development for the area, right, but right. Sure. so much more to that because the, I think the memories the kids have coming down, uh, is invaluable. We'll always look back at, you know, going to the orange bowl is one of the premier things they did as a, as a player. Yeah. I think, I mean, any bowl game or NBA playoffs, whatever it's, it's, it's only a certain number of people get to that level. Right. So the festivities that go around it, and I believe it's after, you know, after playing, it's not just the game, it's right. the things around the game you enjoy, the camaraderie you, you built. I was at an event, Mac uh, and, mm -hmm. and John, over the weekend, this guy comes in and says, uh, I remember you whenever I went to Almore High School, whatever, da, 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 and thank you for the shoes. I'm like, I didn't give you any shoes, <laughs> but, but but he wore he wore he wore sixteen and a half. They couldn't find shoes for him, so they went to UVA to the to the cage and got this kid at Albemarle High School <laughs> a pair of seventeen shoes they could wear at high school, and that was a, a Puma Pro kid, what it was. And he he acted like I gave him the shoes and I knew him well, and I, you know, I was like, okay, great. So I had to start. But those type of things, if you reflect back on life, right, or those one in time moments that you build those camaraderies and those friendships that last for a lifetime. Yeah, you're right. Hey, man, take the credit whenever you can get it. Right. <laughs> you know, they're going to sling an arrow or two at you, too. You might as well take that credit. I, 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 I took 
it. I took. I had no choice. <laughs> and and Ralph, the way John handled the uh, the playoff answer, I, I he could be a commissioner. I mean, there's no doubt he could he could lead the charge. So if that happens, you know, it's called skating, Mike. He skated over the question, uh, which you, we do. It was good. You, we that must have been that. that must have been a class at UVA because you guys have excelled and it. it's been perfect. So <laughs> we, we, so I'll transition to the broadcasting side then because since we're all sitting here as broadcasters and I'll. Uh, John, what was it about it to near the end of your career where the bug sure. bit? You said, hey, I think I can do this. Well, look, Ralph knows what in the NBA, which is so uh, incredibly invaluable, is they um, have an internship program where they try to allow players uh, to develop skills to be able to transition from playing into the real world mm -hmm. and real type jobs. And I tried to spend two weeks every summer thinking about, hey, what's next for me? I didn't know how long my trip was going to last. I was you know, fortunate last 11 years with the league in the league. But um, one of the summers I spent doing an internship um, from a broadcasting perspective, because I thought it was just a natural fit for me um, as someone, as a point guard who thinks the game and, and being able to, um, you know, articulate it maybe to the fans and see what I saw. And I did it actually, when I was living here in Miami and, 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 and um, just before the end of my career. And I actually, in the summertime, came in and they I met with the head of the broadcasting department who's currently today now my boss my executive producer <laughs> such a small world yeah. I sat down with the with the current play-by-play -play announcer who was Eric Reed who's my actual partner now on TV which is amazing right and we did a, a, a fake game where we, right. we watched the game over with no sound and he and I broadcasted the game together I did two of those and I had a real a bug. I enjoyed it. I it was uh, I was passionate about it, and um, I made some tapes. I sent them around through their help. And about two years later, three years later, um, there was an opening, an opportunity with Miami from a radio perspective, and that's how I got my foot in the door. Um, I was doing um, some some TV, um, some regional TV, and some lower level um, radio as well. So this all helped me get in with the heat and. And as you guys know, that's just that's part of the part of the struggle right, is just it, getting, yeah. you know, sure. into the right. There's so few jobs and being able to get an opportunity and then with a great team and organization. And I eventually took the radio, which I did for about um, 12 years into a studio television position where I do radio, but I'd also do studio TV. So I had a lot of camera time and an opportunity to learn that art uh, before recently over the last this is my fourth year now is the game call broadcaster so there's the play-by-play -play and I'm the color analyst um and I, I've been doing that now for four years with the team so it's been a it's been a great run I've really enjoyed it I think I've learned a little something from everything that's made me a, a better overall broadcaster so your play-by-play -play guy calls in sick could you handle play-by-play -play every game Mac, Mac, you're angling for that job. I no, 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 no. I just want to know if you're prepared. Look, that's every color analyst's nightmare, right? I mean, you know, I mean, no, that would not be a, it would not be a good smooth thing having me do the play-by-play. -play. Absolutely not. But my job to me is I tell the how and the why things are sure, happening. Sure, sure. Sort of describing the action, right? He's He's the transition guy. He really is the, the point guard type guy of the broadcast, mm. right? Where he's teeing me up and setting me up for, for different things. But, um, you know, I, that, that is, it's a funny question because I, it is a nightmare at times. And we've had, we have these COVID protocols now where, 
you know, you know, we, we get tested regularly and we're like, God, if one of us, you know, gets, <laughs> gets positive, you know, the other guy's really on his own. Yeah. There's no, like, there's nobody to tap on the shoulder and come sure. flying right in right away. You know? sure. But see, you, you two guys were in the wrong business. So you should have been in, in the analytic business, right? <laughs> and you could have been a UVA grad and go in and not, nothing about basketball, but know about analytics and got a great job, right? So <laughs> automatically, but uh that's a great, great story as far as how your career transitioned from from the actually the sport. And it took a couple of years. I mean, I've, I've yeah. done those oh, internships no. and yeah. programs and Wendy's and all that kind of stuff. But the NBA has great programs out there for athletes if they want to take the reins, the reins and uh, go forward. So I appreciate that because I, I definitely know it there. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think I think more players should do it, Ralph. Yes, you know? absolutely. And they and they, they don't. Um, they should t- think about themselves in that transition because it's a really abrupt transition, um, and it's uh, it, it can be shocking. And I think the worst thing is is if you if you start trying to figure out after the fact, you know, you it's have all, yeah, you have all the it's contacts, yeah. you have you have relationships already in the in the business um, while you're playing. That's when people want to help you, right? More often yep. than not. Um, so take advantage of that when you can. And the summer is a great opportunity to do that. Well, you got, like you said, you got to take advantage of it while you're playing because, you know, when it's over, like you said, when you're packing your bag is over, you got those two tractor trailers going home. It's like, okay, <laughs> two or three years later, they don't know who the hell you are. They don't make no damn difference <laughs> right. to who you are at that point. That's but, right. And that's the, but that's the way it works. Door, right? You got to knock on the door, do it all over again, start from scratch, right? That's right. Great stuff. John, that's before good. we let you go, um, What's ahead? You know, you're a young guy, early 50s going on 30s. I like to think I'm, you know, in my 40s. But uh, anyway, what's what's next now? What would you what do you what do you see yourself doing in the next five to 10 years? Well, I look, I love what I do. I think I've, I've kind of created this role for myself, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, doing deals and deal making during the course of um, my real estate career, but also having the passion of being able to um, call games and, and travel with the team and see friends and family throughout the course of my travels. So it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty darn good life. I, I've, um, I've, I really think I've, I've crafted a, a unique position and, um, That's terrific. I see just doing more of the same right now, but I'll tell you, if I'm passionate about something else, I'll, I'll spin and go that route. I'm not afraid to, to, to make those types of changes and do that. I've, I've done that, you know, throughout the, the course of my life. And, um, you know, I, I just, I love seeing folks and spending time with them. Like, you know, reconnecting with you guys has been great. Um, you know, to me, that's what life's about. That's sort of the richness, uh, you know, of life. And, 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 the, and the two platforms I have allow me to, to really connect with people and do that. So more of the same right now, Mac, I guess. Is the answer. <laughs> that's awesome. But, uh, um, but, Mac, he, he didn't add in coming to Virginia, being on a little mini farm. So we, when he comes right. out, we're going to be, you know, talking tractors and gardens <laughs> and, and, and zero turn mowers and all this other kind of stuff. So I'm Ralph, looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that. What I hear, Ralph, with your farm up there in Harrisonburg, you're going to have to come down and show me how to take care of the tractor and, you know, all yeah, the yeah. They, they, just get a zero way, turn, you're good. I'm from New Jersey, man. I'm not. I'm not Gentleman John the farmer. So I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna need some help. Sure. I can see the book from John Crotty to John Deere. I mean, it, it just uh, <laughs> it, all, it all fits. John, thank you so much. Great to catch up, and uh, you're truly, you know, best to the family and everything. And you know, good luck with the move and the transition. And of course, good luck to the Miami Heat the rest of the way. Thanks, Mac, Ralph. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, really great circling back with you guys.
Yeah, no, thanks. Anytime we'll have you back and we'll, we'll keep it, keep it going, but definitely be in touch for sure. Thank you so much. You got it, guys. Take care. Yeah. Thank right. you. Former point guard, now TV analyst of the Miami Heat and entrepreneur and farmer in Albemarle County, John Crotty. We'll continue right after this. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. This is Center Court, presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. It's Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. Ralph, I, I enjoyed the visit with John Crotty. I, I think that he has meant so much to all, all the people around him, and he never really forgets his friends. He never forgets the people who, uh, you know, worked with him along the way, maybe helped him along the way. I just... I love the attitude, I love the drive, and I love the fact that John Crotty has always been that leader. You know, the point guards are leaders, and John Crotty has been just that. I'm a bigger fan now because he has a little farm in Charlottesville, so I'm going to be excited <laughs> about his uh, coming to Charlottesville and, 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 and between Charlottesville and Miami and, and working on the farm with him and teaching him a few things. So that, that, yeah. that that's exciting for me at this stage of his career and life and mine as well. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he's a landowner now, right outside, exactly, uh, exactly. right outside the hook. Uh, we received from a show a week ago, and and I enjoyed it. I listened to it live, Ralph, uh, the Mike Haynes show, the former Oakland Raider, um, with his uh, prostate cancer uh, explanation and his fight, and and just how uh, we received a note. And um, I won't embarrass where the note came from, but Mike, you know who you are, so thank you. He wrote the show and says with Mike Haynes. Uh, on center court, it may be the most important and impactful interview that Ralph and Mac have presented to date. Their discussion about prostate cancer has been a tremendous public service and they deserve thanks. So Mike, we appreciate that. And a year ago when you said, Hey, we're going to do this little podcast, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> all over the state of Virginia, which we love and love our affiliates that that was nice to get that note. That you know, we this is what we try to do, but it was nice to get that letter from from Mike. Oh, Mike, that's a, amazing. It's a good note to get, and uh, you know, I, I, when we did the Mike Haynes show, I mean, kind of gave me goosebumps about his career, mm -hmm. uh, his you know, gaining twenty five pounds and getting back in shape. Thought he was gonna maybe die early, and now one to live to. He's one hundred twenty five. So th that show is, I mean, it just it means a lot to me. I'm sure to you as well that we can do something like that, and we get an email from a fan out yeah. there. That, that validates what we do. So that's, that's, thank you, Mike. Well, now that we're through Thanksgiving, I, how long is your Christmas list? <laughs> it dwindles, it gets smaller every year. So mom and dad, the only one on the Christmas list. The kid uh, that we all said, they'll get uh, money or 
or, or a phone call or something like that. One's in Japan, my son Robert's sure. playing, so he'll get a phone call. And then Christmas comes so fast and so furious that you look up, it's December 10th, and like, okay. And, and, and Mac, I'm a late, I've always been a late shopper. Mm-hmm. And this year you can't be late because it's supply chain. So I got to figure it out real quick, but mom and dad will get whatever they want. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Christmas Eve guy. I love Christmas Eve. You mean, you mean, I love Christmas Eve. (laughs) I'm a historical Christmas Eve guy. If I start the 23rd, I end up on the 24th and I go everywhere that I can hang out for Christmas day and New I'm Christmas Eve and I just have fun. Good stuff. All right, big guy. I'll see you next week. We've got Dave Odom on deck. That's going to be terrific. So I'll see you next week. All right, man. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald and that's center court on the winner's circle. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.